1: a fantasy question? Email baseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy
0: becomes reality.
1: Now here's Frank, Scott, and Chris.
0: What's up and welcome in to Fantasy Baseball Today on Thursday, April 21st. Frank Stanfield joined by Chris Towers today on the show. Rankings, risers, and fallers. We've got some trade options Chris puts out his trade chart every Wednesday afternoon. You can find that on the site. And of course, we will recap all of Wednesday's action. There is a lot going on, but let's get right to it. Oh my goodness gracious! A familiar voice, one Susan Waldman. Oh my goodness gracious, back by popular demand. I've been trying different things out. And frankly, Chris, people just want to hear Susan. That's what it keeps coming back to. Maybe they're just so used to it at this point, but ask and you shall receive. So there you go.
2: Susan is back. When is the when is the Susan Waldman bobblehead night? Oh, I'm going
0: to it. I
2: uh, okay. I wanted to make sure because if you weren't, I was. I'll, I'll go and get you one.
0: No, yeah, I, I'll, yeah. I'll show up early. I'm definitely going. Uh, it's sometime in August, I believe. I'm going to the game. It's on- a talking bobblehead
2: too. So Stop. I hope it says that. Is it really? Yes.
0: <laughs> That's wild. Uh, all right, I didn't know that. Right, this is just. Yeah, this is beautiful. This is a Susan Waldman and John Sterling bobblehead. If anyone who lives in the New York Tri-State area, if you'd like to get one, it is on... uh, I don't
2: have the date here, but it's sometime in August. I can't find it.
0: But yes, if you do want it. Anyway, we've wasted way too much time. Chris, who is your oh-my-goodness-gracious player of the day?
2: Welcome back. Uh, Shane Bieber had a very, very good start. Um, uh, Seven strikeouts in six innings. One earned run, four hits allowed, what was it, 17 swinging strikes on 86 pitches, 11 of them coming with his slider. Velocity was still down, 90.2 miles per hour with his fastball. That was actually lower than it has been so far this season. Um, but he made some adjustments, particularly in becoming a fast or slider-first pitcher through at 42% of the time, 36 of 46 pitches. And he had a 39% CSW rate. Uh, That's very good. 11 swinging strikes with that slider. And the fastball actually played up today as well. He got four swinging strikes on 31 of those, 35% CSW. So that's all a good sign. I still think it's a bad sign that he only averaged 90.2 miles per hour with his fastball. That's lower than we've seen. I think it's going to be very hard for a guy whose fastball has tended to get hit hard in the past. Any way to continue to be effective, In that way, but look, he's aware of it, you know, going slider heavy, I think is a sign of that. And, you know, we'll see, we'll see what it looks like. I'm still pessimistic on Shane Bieber. I was pessimistic about him coming into the season. So, you know, that's a little bit of confirmation bias based on his start so far, but it was a very good outing today. Um, You know, eight hard hit balls isn't great, but that's, you're going to, you're going to have that with Shane Bieber, even when he's doing really well sometimes. So I don't know. What do you think? There is a
0: chance that this is just the new Shane Bieber. You mentioned the line, six innings, one run, seven strikeouts. Still had 17 swinging strikes, a near 20% swinging strike rate Mm -hmm. in this start, and it's because he went slider heavy. I mean, that is his best pitch at this point. Not that the fastball was ever a great pitch for him, but it is better when it's in that 92 to 94 mile per hour range. There is no doubt about that. I think that if he can sustain throwing his slider as much as he did in this start, around 40% of the time, and... He just has immaculate control because if he's walking batters and giving up hard hits, bad things are going to happen. I mean, that just seems obvious. But if he has these starts where he's, you know, one walk or less and he's throwing the slider this much, then I think this new sh- version of Shane Bieber can still be very, very good. Is that a, a top 10 starting pitcher that you drafted? I would lean no. No. But does that mean he could still be a top 15, a top 20 starting pitcher Mm -hmm. with this velocity? Yeah, I I think that's possible. So maybe not the pitcher you were hoping for, but I still think that he can be very, very valuable for fantasy purposes. Chris, I was getting questions right after the start. Should I try and sell just based on this one start? You know, he looks good. You can probably present him to another fantasy manager and say, look, Shane Bieber is back. What do you want to give me for him? Uh, and, And someone asked, you know, I just got offered Manny Machado for Shane
2: Bieber. I would do that. Sure.
0: I would have done that, but I would have done that before the season.
2: I had Danny Machado ranked around ahead of Shane Bieber anyway.
0: Yeah, so I I would do that trade too. And again, I wouldn't sell Shane Bieber 75 cents on the dollar. I I would try my best to get draft value, what you paid for him, which is likely Mm -hmm. a a top 24 pick, you know, um, a top two round player. I don't know if he'll be able to do that. I might expand it to like a top three round player. If you can get top 30, top 35 value for him, then sure, I, I would look to move him, but don't just sell Shane Bieber for the sake of selling him. There is a chance that he can be a very valuable pitcher, even with this diminished velocity. I want to reiterate. Would you that. rather have him or Carlos Rodon? I will still,
2: I will still take Shane Bieber, but it's really close.
0: It, it is In the trem- trade values chart. I have close. them.
2: I have Bieber ahead, but I have them for the same value. I so, um, think that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, look, Rodon's going to be. I I think Rodon's going to be better when he pitches. I just think there's more risk with him. And so I think that that ultimately probably gives Shane Bieber the edge. Um, But I think the way to think about it is not like Shane Bieber cannot be good if he's averaging 90 90 miles per hour with the fastball. That's not the way to think about it because that's not true. Um, You know, we've seen Clayton Kershaw continue to be a very, very good pitcher despite losing velocity. And he's done it by becoming – uh, you know, a slider first pitcher we saw in that first start, he threw it 50% of the time. Um, you know, that's he I think his slider has been his most used pitch over the last couple of seasons. That's probably something similar to what we're going to see from Shane Bieber, and he can be successful there. I think that the key to keep in mind is one, it's just it's harder to throw sliders and curveballs for strikes than it is fastballs for most pitchers. Um, and so, you know, there might be starts where he doesn't have the feel for it as much and he's giving out a few more walks. I think ultimately what it means though, pitching at 90 miles per hour, as opposed to 93, where he was at his best was, uh, the margin for error is just slimmer. And so it's not that there can't be good starts and it's not that he can't be good. I think what it means is that there are probably going to be more bad starts and it's going to be more difficult for him to put together those good starts because, you know, now it's you know, you can make a mistake at 93 and maybe get away with it in a way that you might not be able to in 90. And so he needs to pitch better to get the same results, I guess is the way I would say it.
0: Mm-hmm. Carl Rodon, by the way, uh, I've noticed, you know, Scott changes. his, he updated his rankings. You updated your rankings. As you mentioned, we all have Bieber just ahead of Rodon. Yeah. Scott moved Rodon inside of his top 10 starting pitchers up to SP9. Bieber is still one spot ahead. Rodon, by the way, on Wednesday he was at the Mets. Five shutout innings, eight strikeouts, nineteen swinging strikes. Seventeen of those came on the fastball. Yeah, and he, he just, threw
2: seventy-seven fastballs today.
0: He presented his fastball, Chris, on a silver platter, and he said, "Hit it if you can."
2: Yeah, and the Mets could not hit it. So, and and, and, and that's that. That was the key for him. You know, he's always had that great slider, um, but Rodon spent most of his career looking for a second good pitch. And we thought it was going to be a changeup. He didn't throw a changeup today. In 2021, it was just his fastball got a lot better. He got more extension on it. He got a a velocity jump. And all of a sudden, it became this overwhelmingly dominant pitch. And so far, that's what it's been. So I think as long as Carlos Rodon's healthy, he's going to be awesome.
0: The one thing I will mention of Rodon's start on Wednesday night was that his velocity on the fastball was down 1.6 miles per Mm. hour. And it's notable just because his velocity fluctuated last season. He dealt with a shoulder injury. So mm. I know we talk about velocity a lot this time of year, but it's data and it's there. And this is a fantasy it's baseball podcast. The few, look, it, so it's, why would it be one of
2: the few tangible things we can actually point to? Like right. we were talking about Garrett Cole last night and Garrett Cole just didn't pitch well. He had five walks and in an inning and two thirds. There's not a lot you can actually say about that though. Unless like you either think it's going to be an issue for him moving forward, but there's not really any reason to believe that. Or like, it's just, it's hard at this time of the year. Cause we just don't have very much information. Shane Bieber just made his third start of the season. So the, the outing he pitched today was a third of his, the data points that we have probably a little more given that he hadn't pitched as deep into his previous couple of games. So yeah, that's just the, the reality of the situation at this time of the year is like velocity is going to be the, the most important, important thing that we can point to right now because it's the most tangible concrete thing that we have it's the most tangible concrete evidence that we have right now so yeah all right oh my goodness gracious my little velocity spiel
0: (laughs) oh my goodness gracious for me Jerkson profar who had a sock and a shoe on Wednesday. For those who don't know, that's a home run and a steal in the same game. That was his fourth home run of the season. His first stolen base. He is 53% rostered, Jerickson Profar is. And what I noticed, Chris, looking at the very early season data on him, is that Profar is hitting the ball harder than ever before and he's pulling the ball way, way more. 71% pull rate, according to Fangraphs. He's 42% for his career. And Something we've highlighted, especially this off season, I feel like more than ever, Chris, is that we've seen hitters who you don't necessarily look at as power hitters succeed in hitting home runs by pulling the ball an exorbitant amount. And so far, Jerks and Profar is doing that, and the results have um, have bore that out. So I'm interested. I, I think I would be trying to add Jerks and Profar. He's 53% rostered. Uh, what do you think about adding Jerks and Profar right now?
2: yeah I think it's worth adding, I suppose, but I have a hard time getting excited about it his max velocity so far right where it's been in the past around right around one hundred and seven miles per hour so you know it's not like he's hitting the ball harder in absolute terms um he's hitting the ball more consistently hard, I suppose but you know we're we're talking about fifty plate appearances so i'm I'm pretty skeptical that that's going to be. Sustainable moving forward, but yeah, if you need, you know, he's he's eligible. What first outfield and second?
0: I believe it's just first and outfield.
2: But. Okay, first and outfield. So you know, there's a little bit of flexibility there. Yes, I have a hard time. Like I didn't move him inside my top twenty-five at first base. I don't think in adding him today. Um, inside my top thirty. So yeah, still pretty skeptical.
0: I guess if you want to add Jerks and profile you've got to be able to drop somebody for him and. I'm looking at a few names. like Mike Yastrzemski is 71% rostered. Is that a move you would make, Chris?
2: I think that's fine. I think Yastrzemski is is fringy enough that I don't think you'll miss him, but I wouldn't necessarily be surprised at all if Yastrzemski was better the rest of the season.
0: What about Profar's teammate, Trent Grisham? He didn't play the previous two games before Wednesday against left-handed pitching. He is still 78% rostered, and frankly, he's just... Not doing anything. Would you drop Trent Grisham for jerks and Profar?
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess Grisham, the thing is Grisham still has the potential for stolen bases in a way that I don't think Profar does. But yeah, it's been a disappointing start for, for Grisham after a disappointing 2021 as well. So I, I don't know if I would be super enthused about making that, but I can't say like that Trent Grisham is, not, is undroppable or anything.
0: Yeah, I think in a three outfielder league, even whether it's a points league or a categories league, I would make that swap.
2: Yeah, I I dropped Grisham to 50th at outfield, so that's pretty fringy in a three outfielder league.
0: In a five outfielder league, those are mostly Roto. I I would try my best to hold on to Grisham there, and look, in a league that deep, I'm sure you have someone worse to drop for uh, and Profar if he is available. Yeah. Uh, I want to get to a few more waiver wire hitters up top right after Profar, but I, I wanted to mention the night that Otani had, Chris, because, oh my,
2: <laughs> geez, right? Like, he like got, actually, he, oh my goodness gracious. Like, if I said that about anyone today, it was <laughs> Shohei Otani. He got rocked in
0: his second start and then just bounced back here. I believe his the, the start he got rocked was against the Astros, and then he came back out here against the Astros in Houston and just absolutely dominated them. He had a perfect game going into the sixth inning, and he wound up throwing six shutout, one hit, one walk, 12 strikeouts, 20 swinging strikes, 11 of those on the slider. And Chris, I don't know if you watched any of this game or you saw the highlights, but the slider looked ridiculous, like much better than I ever remember it being. Like I know it's a good mm-hmm. pitch for him, obviously, and he has that tremendous splitter as well. But that slider was just sweeping completely across the zone. It was on another level on Wednesday night.
2: Yeah, I don't know if there's been any change in the movement profile for that. I'm looking at it. It looks like it's about the same in terms of the amount of break that it's getting and the the velocity he's throwing it with. So I don't think there's any change there, but... Yeah, I mean, it's a good pitch. He threw it 43% of the time. He actually only threw his fastball 23% of the time. He, his splitter was really effective as well. Um, he's really, really good. You know, I, I don't know if there's all that much more to say about it other than that. Than that, he's He is the kind of pitcher who I'm not going to say, like, I think he will win a Cy Young, but he is the caliber of pitcher for whom a Cy Young outcome is well within the realm of possibility. Po- possibly not because of innings limits. Like he probably won't throw 185 innings or 190 innings this season. But like he is absolutely that caliber of player. If he. Got, oh, and also he went what three for three today as a hitter. If uh, he two for four with a walk, two RBI, a double, and a run scored.
0: If he went. 170 plus innings, there is a real chance he can win MVP and Cy Young in the same season.
2: Yeah, I would bet against it, but it's not entirely out of the realm of possibility. All
0: right, uh, let's talk about some of those other waiver wire hitters. I wanted to get to Anthony Santander, Chris. We haven't talked about him at all so far this season, and he went two for four with a double. Obviously, the Orioles lineup is not great, but he's batting 297 early on. He's hitting a bunch of line drives, in the plate discipline, Santander has a 20% walk rate to a 16% strikeout rate, and his career walk rate is 5.7%. So, specifically in any type of OBP or points league, I'm kind of interested in Anthony Santander. 56% roster, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I don't know um, You know, if the swing profile is much different to, to back up a big jump in walk rate like that. Like, his... Chase rate is down to a career low 28%, so that's not nothing, but you know, it was 33% last season, so that's not such an out outlier jump that I think it explains much of that. So, I don't know, he's being more patient overall, 43.6% swing rate overall and he's getting fewer pitches in the strike zone as well. So, you know, there's there's some signs there, but I, I would guess he's probably going to walk closer to his career rate than he has moving forward. And I don't know if there's enough bat there to um, to make him much more than a fringe fantasy option. But, you know, it, it's interesting right now. It's certainly worth keeping an eye on the the walk rate.
0: Would you rather add Santander or Jerkson Profar?
2: Probably, I would say Santander. I, hmm... It's tough because Profar
0: walks, and he makes a lot of contact as well. Better lineup. I think I would take Profar. It is close. Uh, Let's watch Santander and see where this goes. Alec Boehm, Chris, starting to get a little interested here. He went two for four, hit his first home run of the season. It was in Coors Field. Uh, He is crushing the ball early on. 95 mile per hour average exit velocity. The launch angle is up. The ground ball rate is down for Alec Bohm and uh, so far, the plate discipline. He has four walks, just one strikeout on the season. He's batting .476, only 33% rostered. I think if I have one of these fringe young hitters, Chris, in a shallow league, like a CJ Abrams or a Bryson Stott, I think I would drop one of those guys to add Alec Bohm and just see where this goes. Because if he plays every day, I think that there is real potential with him.
2: Yeah, I think part of the problem is he's just—he's such a bad defensive player that I'm not sure he's going to play every day. But yeah, if he—if he hits up to his potential, if he puts together, you know, this is what I liked about him as a sleeper in the off season was he had the really good contact skills in 2020, and then in 2021 he had this really poor season. But you know, there were signs of positives there. His hard hit rate spiked, his average exit velocity jumped, and so you know, what we're seeing now is kind of a combination of both of those things where he's hitting the ball hard consistently. He's putting the bat on the ball consistently and, you know, he's upping his launch angle enough that he's not just hitting a bunch of ground balls. So yeah, I do think Alec Bohm is very interesting. I, I think I'd be fine dropping Bryson Stott for him. Um, you know, that one's kind of a, a zero sum game, I guess, because I, I don't know if they're going to just keep splitting time all season. That doesn't seem tenable with two young players. So, you know, I, at this point I would say bone probably is in the lead. Um, and I, I think he's probably the better player as well. So yeah, I, I would be fine with that.
0: Mm-hmm. The CJ Abrams one, you know, maybe you hold him in a categories league because I still think he has massive steal potential if he can play every yeah. day, but his playing time has been inconsistent and he hasn't looked great so far. He's, kind of mm-hmm. rushed to the majors here in C.J. Abrams. So in a, in a points league, I would make that swap. I, I would uh, I would drop Abrams for Bohm and, and see where it goes. Chris, Bohm versus another corner infielder who is also a great start. Seth Beer, three for four with a double on Wednesday, three RBI. He's betting 438 early on. Lots of line drives, lots of fly balls, striking out quite a bit, 26% on the strikeout rate, but hitting the ball hard. He's 30% rostered. Uh, they're very similar in terms of roster rate. Playing time has been kind of inconsistent for both. Who do you like more, Alec Bohm or Seth Beer? Uh, I guess more so as like a stash right now.
2: I think I like Bohm more. I think the 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 in-game power is more projectable because he does hit the ball in the air more consistently. Um, but yeah, I think they're both pretty interesting. I've got them both stashed in a handful of leagues. So I'm interested in both. I, I wish Beer was playing more often. Um you know, Bohm, I kind of expected not to play every day, but Beer's been a little disappointing. So, you know, the way he's hitting the ball, hopefully that'll change moving forward. And uh, yeah, I'm interested to see what he's got. So I think I would take Beer over Boehm.
0: All right, in some deeper leagues, names that I wanted to mention, Rymel Tapia had a sock and a shoe on Wednesday night. His first home run, first steal of the season. He's 12% rostered and... Likely to play a good amount as long as Teoscar Hernandez is on the IL. Miguel Cabrera went three for four. He's now one hit away from 3,000, which is just awesome. You know, one of the best hitters ever, and obviously of this generation. He's batting three thirty three early on. He's 11% rostered. And Francisco Mejia with the Tampa Bay Rays went two for three, hit his second home run. He's batting three forty eight. The problem, this is only his sixth game that he has played in, so... Not playing consistently enough. Chris, any interest in Tapia, Miguel Cabrera, and Francisco Mejia in deeper leagues?
2: I think Tapia in a five outfielder, you know, deeper league is definitely worth a look because, you know, he could steal you a, a decent number of, I mean, not a decent number, but maybe three or four bases in the time that Teoscar Hernandez is out if he can stay in the lineup and stay hot. And that's probably the most valuable thing any of these guys are going to be able to give you. Mejia, you know, there, there's still potential there, but just the the playing time makes it hard to trust him even in a two-catcher league.
0: The other one I wanted to mention, Isaiah kiner falefa He's up to 33% rostered, but maybe someone dropped him in a categories league with a middle infielder, your traditional Roto League. Uh, he went two for four on He'll Wednesday. He'll some bases. Yeah, uh, he stole two bases on Tuesday. He went two for four on Wednesday. He now has multiple hits in four of his last six games. Again, that is Isaiah kiner Faleva. Let's talk about some rankings, risers, and fallers. Chris had the big rankings update on Wednesday afternoon. And pitchers inside of the top 25 that saw a big move. Justin Verlander, you moved up to your SP6. Kevin Gausman inside of your top 10, up to SP8. We also see Clayton Kershaw up to SP21. Logan Webb up to SP22. Uh, what have you seen from this him so far, Chris, that um, has you excited in moving them up?
2: I mean, Verlander, it, it's sort of a vote of confidence for, for Verlander and a vote of lack of confidence in every starting pitcher, basically, that was ranked between him because I think he was 15th before this update. And so that means you had Bieber, Nola, Giolito, Wheeler, Ray, Arias, Gosman, Alcantara in between him. Where he between where he currently is and where he was before. And I just kind of feel like the Justin Verlander we're seeing right now looks enough like, I mean, he kind of looks just like Justin Verlander. You know, he had, I want to say it was the first time since Greg Maddox that a pitcher had eight shutout innings with fewer than 90 pitches in his most recent start. Can't remember if that was a complete game or not. It was for him, but I don't know if that was the metric. But like, yeah, he's got 15 strikeouts in 13 innings of velocity, pretty much where we want it to be. His pitch usage, pretty much where it was before. Like, everything pretty much looks like Justin Verlander. I guess there's elevated injury risk, but I don't know. If you told me both Justin Verlander, if just if you told me Justin Verlander, Brandon Woodruff, and Walker Bueller are all going to stay healthy and throw the same number of innings this season, based on what we've seen, you kind of want to take Justin Verlander over those two guys, right?
0: I mean, if you were guaranteed health, of course, at his advanced yeah, age. Like that's,
2: so. Yeah, it's so based on what we've seen, I mean, I can't guarantee health, but sure. I don't know. He he's he's not gonna have any innings limits. You know, I feel pretty confident saying that, even though he is coming back from that injury. So yeah, I just I feel confident enough in them in him at this point that I'm just viewing him as an elite starting pitcher moving forward.
0: Yeah, and then with uh, Kevin Gosman, I've got to move him up, move him up a little bit more myself. He is, oh, I guess, he hasn't qualified anymore because he's only he only made two starts, but uh, he did he did lead baseball in swinging strike rate before before this recent update. Twenty two percent is the swinging strike rate for Kevin Gosman. He's been absolutely ridiculous. Clayton Kershaw up there as well, seventeen point four. percent That one's
2: as much just. I don't feel very confident in anyone else. Gosman sure. hasn't been like incredible so far this season in terms of the results. It's only two starts, but ton of strikeouts, ton of swings and misses, no walks. I, I think he's going to be just fine. And I've seen less to be pessimistic about with him than I have Arias or Ray or Wheeler or Nola or Bieber. Um Giolito's on the IL, so it's uh, that that's mostly Gosman kind of moves up by default, I guess.
0: Yeah, no, that, that makes sense to me. A uh, couple other starting pitchers inside of your top 50 who have seen the jump. Carlos Carrasco up to your SP32. I love it.
2: Aggressive on yeah. Carrasco. Merrill Kelly puts together- Again, just like Justin Verlander. He just looks like himself, right? And then that's yep. kind of all we needed to see from him. Like, yeah, there's risk. But I, I don't know. When I'm ranking for the rest of the season, the, the injury risk matters less to me than, than it does during draft season. Does that make sense? Like, I kind of just... I tend to rank like, yes, these are rest of season rankings, but I tend to view it more of like, here's where I rank them right now. That's not a hundred percent it, but it's more that than it is the preseason. If that makes sense.
0: No, I mean, I think the confirmation of seeing somebody healthy who you had question marks about coming into the season. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. Uh, Carlos Carrasco, as you mentioned, he's looked like himself. Velocity looks fine. Pitch mix is fine. Swinging strikes are there. He looks like Carlos Carrasco. And if he puts together another two or three starts like what we've seen so far, he could push inside of the top 25. I mean, remember
2: pitchers. how good he was in 2020. Like yeah. his career has been kind of a mess lately, but you have to remember 2019, he had the cancer diagnosis. 2020, he was awesome. He was a top 20 starting pitcher. 2021, he was just never healthy. He had that hamstring injury in spring training, and then he dealt with an elbow thing as well, right? So it's just... Yeah it never seemed like he was right, but he's healthy right now. So I feel pretty good about him.
0: Mm -hmm. And then a few other pitchers in this range, Merrill Kelly, you moved up to SP 42 Hunter green. You have up to SP 49 Merrill Kelly. Let's talk about him. He made a start on Wednesday afternoon and he allowed just one earned run. Um, He's now allowed just one earned run through his first three starts. So this was his first run allowed on the season delivers another quality start, six innings, one run, five strikeouts, At the Washington Nationals and he actually did this with his fastball velocity being down a little bit down 1.4 miles per hour and that increased velocity is part of the reason we've had optimism for Merrill Kelly so Chris it was interesting to see that even with that down he was still really really good
2: yeah it's it's the Nationals are pretty bad and Josh Bell (laughs) left this game so that left them with I mean I guess Juan Soto also left the game late, but that was that was later. But John, well, Josh Bell left early, and that left them with, I mean, really like four major league caliber players in their lineup. <laughs> so, you know, not necessarily a tough test, and Merrill Kelly did give up a, a bunch of hard contact in that game. So that's something to keep in mind. And, yeah, this one may be a little too bullish. I don't know. Maybe he belongs more in the 50-ish range. Maybe I'd rather, you know, have... Probably Tyler McGill over him now that I've seen the velocity down for both of them in the last two starts. That's something that I'll consider. This is all very fluid, but it's you know a, a sense of optimism around Merrill Kelly and what he's shown the first three starts.
0: All right, let's take a look at... Uh, you have a relief pitcher. David Robertson is inside of your top 15 at relief pitcher, and it makes sense. I believe he already has three saves, and he looks so far like the uh, go-to good. guy. Yeah, he's been awesome. And uh, we need closers, as we will talk about later on. The Royals, they did the old switcheroo on us on Wednesday, so we'll talk about that. Outfielders, uh, we each of us, all three of us, you, uh, Scott, and myself, we have Seiya Suzuki at outfielder 23. So, sounds aggressive, might be, but... I kind of just think Say Suzuki's awesome.
2: Uh, he. I saw a quote from Wilson Contreras today. I think he said he's the best baseball player he's ever been around. Was the the quote from Wilson Contreras? That's uh. That's- uh he's been very impressive in the early going. <laughs> I mean, he's like Say Suzuki. He he's not going to keep this up. Fourteen oh four OPS. I, I don't think that's an unreasonable thing to say. But you couldn't have asked for more from the first you know fifteen games or whatever it is from yeah. Say Suzuki. It, it's it's been a pretty incredible performance so far.
0: The plate discipline has been tremendous. You go to a stack cast page, just filled with red. He's crushing yeah. the ball right now. And something, you know, Scott told me about, taught me about say Suzuki uh, when we first heard about him coming over was that he had this uppercut swing that was like built for major league baseball. And, We're seeing it. I mean, the guy is, he's launching bombs right now. So uh, he's been awesome. Jesus Sanchez is the other big riser for you. Uh, And all three of us now have Jesus Sanchez inside of our top 60 outfielders. So if he continues to perform, uh, he'll continue to move up. He's hitting the ball hard. And especially what he's done uh, that has me excited is that he isn't striking out. Jesus Sanchez is making a lot of contact early on. So
2: He's also spraying the ball all over the field. Um, his pull rate is down to twenty nine percent. He's hitting the ball to the opposite field more, which is gonna, you know, if he could sustain that while still hitting the ball hard, you know, that's gonna make it so that his batting average, especially if he can keep that strikeout rate into in the you know twenty percent range, it's gonna make the batting average, you know, potentially pretty helpful as well. So it's very early, but I like what we're seeing from Jesus Sanchez.
0: No, that's a great point too, because if you remember Tim Anderson, his breakout, his true breakout was once he started spraying the ball all over the field. And that's how he's you know, become the reigning hits leader, batting average leader the past couple of seasons. So it's, it's, a, a, it's an approach you want to see from your hitters. And so far, that has been Jesus Sanchez. Let's quickly take a look at some fallers in the rankings, Chris. Obviously, Shane Bieber, we just talked about him. You moved him down a little bit, but gives us some confidence in this most recent start. Robbie Ray with the velocity. We've talked a lot about Robbie Ray recently. Eduardo Rodriguez, someone we haven't talked about, and yeah. someone who you and I, Chris, were pretty excited about coming into the season. He did turn in his first quality start against the Yankees. Six innings, three runs, five strikeouts to just one walk, but basically everything you don't want to see from a pitcher is what we've seen from Eduardo Rodriguez thus far.
2: Yeah, uh, the whiffs, only seven whiffs in today's start. You know, Didn't generate a ton of weak contact in this one either, so... Probably got a little bit lucky. I'm definitely a little more pessimistic about Eduardo Rodriguez than I was coming in. Um, you know, ha- just hasn't done what we wanted him to do after having very good peripherals last season. So I'm not giving up necessarily. I'm certainly not, certainly not dropping him, but uh, it's been a disappointing start for Eduardo Rodriguez. Velocity's down a little bit too.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. The walks, hard contact, not getting whiffs. I mean, it's again, it's, like the trifecta of things you don't want to see from your pitchers. Next week, he's in line for it. Looks like two starts at the Minnesota Twins, at the Dodgers. So, you know, Dodgers are tough, but actually, both of these teams are struggling. Would we'll start him? Yeah, both of those teams are struggling against left-handed pitching early on in the season. So, you kind of, you start him, but you, you you hold your nose while you hit set line up there on Eduardo Rodriguez. Chris, we're going to talk about buy low options in a little bit, but uh, if you can buy low on Erod, would you look to do it?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it would have to be, you know, pretty low, given that, you know, I think there are going to be a decent number of people who are not far from dropping him right yeah. now. So, yep. Um, you know, I think it is a good buy low opportunity. And I, I would try to throw out. Um, <clears throat> would you throw out know,
0: one of these hype guys right now, like offer Tyler McGill or Matt Brash for Erod?
2: So I do have Erod ranked higher than those guys, but I, I would have trouble making that move, which probably tells you something about the the confidence level I have in the thirty five to fifty ish range in starting pitchers. And mm-hmm. I mean that range also has so many guys who are injured, and it's kind of a mess. Um, so I I would say like yes, I would do that, but I would try to not give up someone with that much upside. Rankings followers
0: on the hitter side of things. Julio Rodriguez, Brendan Rodgers, Randy Rosarena, who actually picked up his first steal of the season on Wednesday, and Bobby Witt Jr. Chris, of these four, is there one that stands out above the rest that you are more worried about?
2: I think you kind of have to be worried about Julio Rodriguez the most just because it's not entirely out of the question that the Mariners might send him down if he continues to struggle, whereas I don't think that's going to be the case with like Bobby Witt, I, I would imagine he's up for good. But R- Julio Rodriguez doesn't have as much experience in the upper minors uh, as some of the other top prospects who got called up. He's been striking out a ton. We talked a little bit yesterday about how there's potentially been some bad luck there and a lot of called strikes on third strikes that you know weren't necessarily in the strike zone. I think he had another one today, um, which is tough. But yeah, it, he's just he hasn't been terribly impressive so far. So. You know, I think he's probably the most concerning and, you know, I, I moved him up quite aggressively when he got called up because I, you know, did believe that the upside was worth it. And and now I think we're seeing some of the downside for him too.
0: Let's see where you, all right. So you dropped him to 36 in
2: your outfield ranks. Um, so So still pretty high, probably, (laughs) you know, probably giving him a lot more credit than, than he's earned certainly so far. Um, so, yeah, he could go lower, but that's also another case where, like, once you get past the top 30, and even, you know, top 35, i have got Cody Ballinger at 35. I'll say I feel okay about Cody Ballinger right now. That range of outfield is really bad after that.
0: It I mean, sure like, is. Yep.
2: <laughs> I want to believe in Julio Rodriguez and Jared Kalinick and Jorge Soler and Randall Grichick and Hunter Renfro and. Like just there just are not a lot of good outfielders uh right now, or at least a lot of good outfielders who are hitting well. So um yeah, it's a little concerning. And there there's going to be, I would say, in the next, you know, two weeks from now, the thirty six to fifty range in outfield could look very different in
0: yeah. my rankings. Yeah, there's a lot of moving parts right now, especially
2: this early. But I need someone to step up.
0: <laughs> we need something. We need something in the outfield. Jesus Sanchez, maybe will continue to climb. Of course, my guy, Connor Joe, has looked amazing so far as well. Uh, again, yeah. those are rankings, risers, and fallers. You can always find those on the site, TVsports.com slash fantasy slash baseball slash rankings. Let's take a quick break, and when we return, we'll get to news and notes here on Fantasy Baseball Today. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. All right, so let's get into the news and notes. We have a Ronald Acuna update. He went 0-3 on Wednesday in his rehab game, and uh, that was with a walk and a stolen base, which you love to see. He's
2: running. He's trying to prove everyone wrong. The knee is healthy. I actually do love to see it. Yeah. That's that's a positive sign. The 0-3 with a strikeout, whatever. Stealing a base in a minor league game? Love it. I'd love to see that. <laughs> yeah.
0: He's going to be here. He doesn't get hurt. He's going to be here before May 6th. I am confident in saying that. He's already stealing bases. So I, I he'll be here soon. Angels manager Joe Madden said that he's, quote, pretty certain Mike Trout will return to the lineup Friday against the Baltimore Orioles. Trout has missed the last three games with a hand injury. George Springer, Chris You need to stop liking players because (laughs) you are cursing all of the players. George Springer left Wednesday's game after getting hit by a pitch on his forearm. X-rays
2: came back negative. You know, it's like I can handle like a quad injury, but like if George Springer gets hurt because he got hit by a pitch, I'm going to be so mad.
0: Agreed. I have George Springer in Wars, so I need him. Man, Unbelievable. stay healthy. JD Martinez left on the other side of this game with adductor tightness, and he is unlikely to play on Thursday. Jose Altuve was placed in the IL with that hamstring injury. Astros GM James Click suggested it could be a minimum length stay. Jeremy Pena led off in his absence, uh, even against a right-handed pitcher in Shohei Otani. Byron Buxton has now missed five straight games with that knee injury. He did take part in baseball activities without any issue on Wednesday. They haven't placed him on the IL maybe this weekend. We'll see with Byron Buxton. Owen Miller Cal Quantrill and Anthony Castro were placed on the IL without injury designations, which suggests it's COVID or an illness. So, Mm -hmm. uh, which is unfortunate because I'm sure a lot of people picked up Owen Miller and started him this week. So, that stinks. Josh Bell left Wednesday's game with a knee injury and he'll have an MRI on Thursday. He's off to a blistering start. Really, of the profit pocket, only Josh Bell and CJ Krohn have been amazing. So... We're waiting on you Joey Votto and uh, Luke Voigt. We didn't talk about the Luke Reese Voigt Hoskins. The, the Luke Voit slide by the way. Did you see that
2: on Tuesday night? Uh I I did. I wasn't uh, he like he like choke slammed uh yeah, Tyler he Stevenson. Yeah, he like DDT'd Tyler Stevenson <laughs> yeah,
0: as I don't know, strange slide. Very very wacky. Not textbook. Not not what you like to see, especially if you have Tyler Stevenson on your team. Tyler Stevenson, by the way, was placed on the, the seven-day concussion IL, so I know we're kind of having fun with the with the slide, yeah, but, but I, was, I hope yeah. he's all right. Eloy Jimenez did not play in either game of the doubleheader on Wednesday because of a sore left ankle. He fouled a ball off of his ankle last week. Yoan Moncada, who is on the IL with an oblique injury, is now taking controlled swings but not going full throttle yet. Uh, he does not have a timeline for return. On the I.O. with a right thumb injury is Javier Baez, and he said that he expects to resume swinging a bat off a tee on Thursday. Alex Cobb is dealing with a grade one groin strain, and he downplayed the severity of the injury. I'm dealing with a groin injury myself, Chris. I don't know if this happens to you. Excuse me. I'm just old, man. Like, I'm falling apart. (laughs) Anytime I go and play sports, it's like something happens. My hamstring, my groin...
2: I'm just sore. On. Like every Tuesday I play softball on Monday. <laughs> softball is not a particularly uh difficult sport to play. I do like to to take a little it's like a three hour, three mile bike ride, so I like to take a little bike ride over there beforehand, but even then that's not very much. Uh and yeah, I'm just like limping around the rest of the, the next day. It's nothing no no specific injury. I just my 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 joints are creaky.
0: If you look at my past ten Google searches, they're all Like, how to cure groin strain. So, (laughs) that's where I'm at. Uh, Gavin Lux is expected to return Friday after missing the last two games with a back injury. Red Sox manager Alex Cora said that he still wants Matt Barnes to reclaim the closer's role. Matt Barnes has a 6.75 ERA through four appearances, and he gave up another run on Wednesday. Austin Riley was placed on the paternity list and will miss the next couple of days. Ramon Laureano is on track to return from suspension when he's first eligible on May 8th. Uh, Chris Loriano is thirty one percent rostered, and I feel that he should be rostered at least in all category leagues.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. I think he he's someone who over the course of a full season could could go you know on, on the uh, highest end twenty twenty. So yeah, definitely categories leagues.
0: Matt Manning was placed on the IL with shoulder inflammation. Kevin Smith was placed on the IL with a bone bruise in his left ankle. Sheldon Noisy has been filling in.
2: And he's actually been solid for those who play in the deepest of leagues. If you're so the way the way you wrote this in the notes, <laughs> you put noisy in parentheses, and I realize now that was to tell yourself how to pronounce his name. Right. The way I read it was like that was the in, he has an injury, and that was the injury that he had. Like it's in parentheses, and it's like nose. Did he? I, what, what was the injury? Did? Yeah. It, what,
0: He's very nosy, that that Sheldon yeah. guy. Uh, by the way, if you're trying to figure out how to spell that, that's N-E-U-S-E, and it's pronounced noisy. Paul Seawald was placed on the COVID IL on Wednesday, and I just saw that game finished up. It was a 4-2 win. Uh, Diego Castillo pitched in the ninth inning, and he gave up two runs, so it wasn't a save opportunity. Um, I feel like Diego Castillo has been the one p-
2: consistently pitching in the ninth as well there for the you, Mariners. You missed uh, one of the news items, I think. What's up? Pretty big one, actually. what I miss? Uh, Andrew Heaney on the IL. Oh. Did it? I believe you didn't say that one. Did I write it in here, though? Yeah, it's in there. How did I miss it, then?
0: Yeah, you okay. You just skipped over it. I I wrote it in there. I just somehow missed it. Um, Andrew Heaney, yes, placed on the IL with left shoulder discomfort, which is massive because, you know, he was... Looked like
2: he was having this breakout season. I was was all ready to move him into like the top forty at starting pitcher based on what we've seen so far, if not higher. And I I did move him up quite a bit. Still, he was one of my biggest risers. Um, You went from like outside my top eighty to fifty-one. But yeah, if if it wasn't for the injury, I probably would have moved him to forty. You know, the the slider slash sweeper that he's throwing just looks to be a, a real difference maker for him. So. Hopefully there's nothing here, but obviously shoulders are very concerning when it comes to pitchers, so that's, a, that's not, a, not a great sign.
0: Tyler Anderson will start in his place on Saturday against the Padres, and just because Tyler Anderson pitches for the Dodgers, I think that he should be on your radar in deeper leagues. Probably those 15-teamers, he is 10% rostered. Again, that is Tyler Anderson. Anderson. Buy low or no thanks, bro. Let's take a look at Charlie Morton, who was not great again at the Los Angeles Dodgers on Wednesday, five and a third, four earned runs, three walks, and only four strikeouts. Chris, I will caution everybody that there was only one other season in my fantasy baseball playing career that I was in on Charlie Morton, adamantly in, and it was 2020. That was the year that he got hurt, did not pitch well, and it was a wasted season. It was a shortened 2020 season. So, I'm just letting everyone know, I might just be the curse, the curse of Charlie Morton. Um, would you be looking to buy low on Charlie Morton after these previous uh, two down starts for him?
2: I would. I haven't moved him down. I think he's moved down a little bit in the rankings just because I think he started out at 15 and Justin Berlander's moved ahead of him. So that he t- technically, I guess he's, he's fallen since the start of the season in the rankings, but I don't really have much reason to be concerned about him. His velocity looks fine. Everything looks fine. So... I think it's just one of those things. He hasn't been he hasn't pitched well so far, but I don't think he's going to pitch poorly moving forward.
0: And he got off to a slow start last year for what it's worth. He had a 5.08 ERA over his first 8 starts, and then for the rest of the season, Charlie Morton had a 2.88 ERA last year. So, might just be a slow starter, older, up there in age. Uh, Yes, if you can buy low on Charlie Morton, I would look to do so. Marcus Stroman was destroyed against the Tampa Bay Rays. Four and a third. He gave up eight runs. Seven of those were earned, but he did have seven strikeouts. Uh, He's got an 8.78 ERA. His XFIP is 3.32. Chris, are you interested in buying low on Marcus Stroman?
2: I I guess. I don't think there's much upside there. You know, that's kind of the... That's always going to be the issue with the buy low... Guy on, buy low opportunity on a guy like Marcus Stroman is just like okay buy low but to what end you know like you're you're probably going to get a, a high three zra and not a lot of strikeouts from him on a pretty mediocre team so yeah if if someone's like thinking about dropping him or something I, I would try to buy but it's not it's not like a high priority for me mm-hmm.
0: all right uh, let's move on to Chris Bassett it's not necessarily a buy low this was His one bad start of the season against the Giants. Six innings, five runs, six strikeouts. He had 15 swinging strikes in the start. Again, this is Chris Bassett. um, And the swinging strike rate for the season is up overall. The underlying numbers are very strong. Chris, I kind of feel like this is a a buy medium. It's not a buy high. It's not a buy low. But I would just be looking to buy Chris Bassett in general. What do you
2: think? I don't know if I'd call him a buy low because I I do think like The first couple of starts were so good. And, you know, obviously pitching for a New York team, a lot of people are going to talk about it, that that I think there's probably still hype around him that, you know, like I don't think he's going to sustain anything close to a 32% strikeout rate. Even at his best, he's been more like 25%. So like, I I think there's regression from where he's been so far. Um, So I I would probably not be trying to buy. I think it's more likely that I would be trying to sell.
0: We differ in opinion there. I I like what I've seen from Chris Bassett. Look,
2: I I think he's good. I just, I don't know if I've seen enough to think that he's Mm -hmm. dramatically different than the guy he's been before.
0: He's throwing his secondaries a little bit more, the fastball a little bit less. So, I I mean, I think that's leading to more whiffs and swinging strikes early in the season. Can he maintain that? You know, that remains to be seen. But uh, if there's, for example, if someone in your league is like Chris, and they have Chris Bassett on their team. Then you know maybe you can get him at a reasonable cost, and and that's something sure. that I would look to do. I have one hitter on here, Chris Willie Adamas, We're starting to get questions about, and we were all excited about Willie Adamas overall. He went zero for four with a strikeout on Wednesday. He's batting one sixty seven. Would you be looking to buy low on Willie Adamas? or is there anything in the profile that you're actually worried about?
2: I would be look- looking to buy low, yeah, because the you know the the Brewers are still hitting him high in the lineup. He's striking out too much right now, which is a concern, but there, there's actually reason for optimism in the underlying numbers. He's hitting the ball pretty well. His expected stats are better than what he's done so far. The 31% strikeout rate, that's more like what we saw from him in Tampa. And if that's what he's going to do moving forward, that's going to be a problem. But no, I think from what we've seen so far, I don't see much reason to be alarmed by Willie Adama. So yeah, he, he is a buy low for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, the profile's a little bit wonky right now. You mentioned the strikeouts. His ground ball rate is 50%. Last year, that was 36.5%. Mm-hmm. So you don't like to see that many ground balls, obviously, but again, it's so early. That's why I didn't include many hitters on here because I yeah, just feel it's like... Just,
2: it's too early to know yeah. with, with hitters, that, that for the most part, at least. like I think you can look at a player like Cody Ballinger and see reason for optimism. It's a lot easier to do that Or Christian Yelich, you know, who we've talked about a decent amount the last few days, then it is, it's easier for me to do that than it is for me to be worried about Mookie Betts or Willie Adamas or something like that, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. Buy high or no thanks guy. Merrill Kelly, we talked about him, Chris. The other one I'm going to throw in here, Anthony Rizzo, two for four with a sock and a shoe. He's now up to four homers, two seals on the young season. And it seems like he's kind of selling out for power. 55% fly ball rate on Anthony Rizzo. Would you be looking to buy high on either of these names, Merrill Kelly, Anthony Rizzo?
2: I mean, this is kind of what we thought it might look like, right? When he got traded to the Yankees was, you know, he's hitting all these balls to the pull side in the air in the best park in baseball to do that for a left-handed hitter. So um, it depends on what the cost would be to buy. You know, if if you're talking about someone viewing him as a top 12 first baseman, I'm not going to do that. But yeah, I think... I think I buy in to a certain extent to what he's doing because this was what we expected him to do last season.
0: Uh, I wanted to see... I moved him up quite a bit. I moved him up to 15th in my first base ranks. You have him at 22. Scott has him at I 18. just moved him up to 19. Okay. So, moving inside of your top 20. A little
2: bit, yeah. Yeah. All
0: right. Uh, you know, I have him just behind Yuli Gurriel who's off to like a pretty slow start too. Yeah. That might be a move that I can I can make. All right, I'll look into it. Uh, Rizzo, yeah, I'm, as long as he can stay healthy, which you know he's dealt with some back stuff the past couple of years, I think he's going to be good. Uh, Chris, we got a few trade questions I wanted to uh, quickly hit on here. This one's from Tyler. Dear Craig, Jeff, and Lance, did you freeze, Chris? I think Chris just froze. I was waiting for him to answer the question, and I think he's just frozen here for those watching us on YouTube. If you're not watching us on YouTube, and if you're just listening to uh, us on the podcast side, Chris is gone. Uh, Anyway, Craig, Jeff, and Lance. Those are Astros, I believe. Uh, Jeff Bagwell, Lance Berkman, and Craig Biggio. Grade the trade. I play in a 12-team. killer bees. That's right. Grade the trade. I play in a 12-team head-to-head points league where Ks count against hitters. Uh, I traded away Shane Bieber. Ks don't count. Ks don't count against hitters. Yes, reading should help. Um, I traded away Shane Bieber and Jose Abreu to receive Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And I think Chris is gone again. I like this trade. Uh, so, yeah, Shane Bieber. Great the H- trade. Yes, great the trade. Are you here, Chris? I can't tell.
2: And I'm here, but I don't have video. My internet has taken a crap. So, uh, All
0: right. Have you heard the trade? Do you know what the trade is? <laughs> all right. We're having some technical difficulties. Yes. Here. But anyway, Chris, I'm gonna just. Bow out and then join back in uh, when you got things figured out. I like the trade. I, I think this is a slam dunk. A trade, uh, you, you get rid of the headache that is Shane Bieber. You get a first-round hitter in return in Vlad. I'm good with it. This one's from Christopher. Would you do this? Give Tyler O'Neal and Carlos Carrasco and get Freddie Peralta. Mm, traditional 5 by 5 plus quality starts and replace batting average with OBP and slugging. So Tyler O'Neal does not walk all that much. But he does slug quite a bit, and I think Chris is back. How are you doing,
2: Chris? We'll see, man.
0: Let's uh let's see how this goes. Uh all right. This is the latest trade, Chris. And it's from Chris. Would you do this trade? Give Tyler O'Neill and Carlos. righty, All right. And Chris is gone. Uh all right. Forget about it. It's fine. Uh give Tyler O'Neill and Carlos Carrasco get Freddie Peralta. I would I think this is a very f- fair trade. Would I do this trade? It's not like you're buying low because you're giving up a good amount. If you have the outfield depth, then... I, I think it's an iffy trade. Yeah. I, I think if you have the outfield depth, I would I would be okay making this deal.
2: But I don't love it. It's not yeah. a slam dunk. Based on what we've seen from Carlos Carrasco so far, I, I think I would pass on this trade.
0: Okay. These are Apple Podcast review trades that we received from Miles, Dylan, and Spencer.
2: I don't know who those. Um,
0: Biles Dylan Spencer. I don't know. Uh, grade the trade 10 team head to head with five outfielders. I gave up Cody Bellinger for Cattell Marte. Mm. This is uh the classic by low scenario on Cattell Marte right now. Uh, grade the trade. I still have Cattell Marte ranked higher. I would imagine Chris does as well. And Cody Bellinger's off to a That's great B-plus for me. Yeah, I mean, Bellinger, you look at the underlying numbers right now, He he's still kind of weird. He's striking out, not making that. Much hard contact. He's hitting more ground balls. It's weird. I'm encouraged for Cody Bellinger, but I still would rather have Catal Marte. I will give it a, a B. From Bill Rose, great to trade. 12 team Roto with two catchers. I gave up Yasmani Yeah, there's a difference between being. Con- Go ahead, Chris. And there's a, a massive delay right now. So I'm just going to keep moving on. From Bill Rose, great to trade. 12 team Roto that's with two catchers. I gave up Yasmani Grandal for Carson Kelly. Stephen Kwan, and Anthony Bender. I have Floro on the IL, and my other closers are Kittredge and Mark Melanson. Oh, man. I uh, don't love this one. Mm, Even, yeah, in a two-catcher league, I would give this a D... Plus, yeah, I, I I don't like this trade. Yasmani Grandal, I still have him as a top five or six catcher. I think he'll be fine. Carson Kelly is not great. Stephen Kwan has kind of come back to earth, and uh, Anthony Bender has looked questionable at times this season. From Austin Franks, this is our last trade question. Twelve team head-to-head points league with five outfielders, two utility bats, and seven keepers. I would offer. I was offered Shane Boz and Seiya Suzuki for Shane Bieber. Thoughts? Uh, okay, so in a keeper league. Shane Boz and Seiya Suzuki for Bieber. Uh, I think I would do this trade if you have enough pitching depth to keep you afloat uh, until Shane Boz returns. I think Boz has ace upside. uh, Once he kind of hits his peak, that could be for a while. I think we probably won't see him until like June or July or something like that. So I would make this trade uh, in a keeper league. It's pretty close, but make sure that you have pitching depth in order to make it. Beat the waiver wire. I have a few names here to start pitcher edition. I'm sure uh, Scott will have some thoughts on these players tomorrow, but Mitch Keller was at his best on Wednesday. Five innings, one run, seven strikeouts, two zero walks, and he is in line for the Brewers and the Padres next week. He is 28% rostered. The key for Mitch Keller in this start was that he did not walk anybody. Zero walks. He had five walks in his first two starts, and he's done a great job of limiting hard contact. Again, that is Mitch Keller. He's only 28% rostered, in line for two starts next week. You beat the waiver wire, I'd look to get him right now. Miles Michaelis was the other one. He was solid at the Miami Marlins, five shutout innings with five strikeouts. He is 50% rostered, and he is in line for two starts next week against the Mets and the Arizona Diamondbacks. If I had to choose between the two, I would... I think Miles Michaelis will probably be better next week, but Mitch Keller still has more upside long-term, so that's how I would look at it. In a vacuum, I would would go with the upside. I would take uh, Mitch Keller. You know, these guys laughed at me yesterday for bringing up Dalton Jeffries. Did you see what Dalton Jeffries did against the Baltimore Orioles on Wednesday? Six innings, one unearned run, five strikeouts to zero walks on the other side. Jordan Lyles was pretty good himself. I don't think that these pitchers are necessarily good. They had great matchups against each other, the Orioles and the A's lineups respectively. So if you play in a deeper league and you're looking for two-star pitchers, it's very scary. But Dalton Jeffries and Jordan Lyles, they've been solid. They've been okay so far. A few aces that I wanted to mention that got back on track or just did their thing on Wednesday made it 58 minutes here. And I haven't mentioned Sandy. Sandy Alcantara against his former team for those who didn't know he came over in the I guess that would be the Marcelo Zuna trade Uh, he was against the Cardinals on Wednesday eight shutout innings six strikeouts 13 swinging strikes and he is allowed just two walks over his past two starts after walking five on opening day so you love to see it for Sandy Alcantara what you don't love to see no run support same thing as always he pitches amazing can't get any run support. Uh, Brandon Woodruff looked awesome against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Six shutout, nine strikeouts. He only allowed one hit. And he's another one where first start of the season did not look great. He gave up seven earned runs. And now he's allowed just one earned run total over his last two starts. Again, that is Brandon Woodruff. Strong matchup against the Pirates, but this is what you want to see him do in these great matchups. You want to see him dominate. Carlos Rodon, we mentioned earlier. Jose Jose Barrios. He was good against the uh, Red Sox. Six innings, one run, six strikeouts. He gave up 11 hard hit balls in this start. And in general, on the season, Barrios is giving up a lot of hard contact. 94.5 miles per hour is the average exit velocity against 344 XBA. So not necessarily looking to sell Jose Barrios, but... A little concerned. Let's see where Jose Brios goes from here. I mean, he's just so proven. I don't want to make a big deal out of it. We'll we'll see if he can get back on track. Tony Gonsolin, by the way, too, I wanted to mention. Phenomenal start against the Atlanta Braves. Six shutout, one hit, three walks, three strikeouts. If anybody dropped him in your league, he is 69% rostered, uh, so he might be floating out there in some 10-teamers or shallow 12-team leagues, points leagues. Tony Gonsolin was great, and they didn't have the luxury of of using a piggyback reliever. Uh, they've been doing that with Tyler Anderson. So it's been kind of like a tandem starter situation with Tony Gonsolin and Tyler Anderson. They didn't have that. Anderson needs to start for Andrew Heaney. So they kind of unleashed Tony Gonsolin in the start and he was awesome. So uh, if you have benched him, I think you know this gives you confidence in getting him back in your lineup. And if anyone dropped him in your league, please go out and check to see if Tony Gonsolin uh, is available in your league. Mackenzie Gore made his second start of the season. It was a strong one. Five shutout innings against the Reds, seven strikeouts, just two walks, 11 swinging strikes. His first two starts, he's gone really fastball heavy. 65% fastballs in this start for Mackenzie Gore, 72% in his first start. I'm excited for him. I'm happy that he's pitching well, and I hope he sticks in the rotation, and he continues to pitch well. But I haven't been overly impressed by what I've seen from Mackenzie Gore. Look, he's a lefty that throws mid to upper 90s. That's impressive by itself. But now I want to see a little bit more. I want to see the slider. I want to see the curveball. I want to see him use those pitches and what the results on those pitches are. So that's what I'm looking for in these next couple of starts for Mackenzie Gore. His next one will come at the Cincinnati Reds. So not a great venue to pitch in, but the Reds have just been dreadful against left-handed pitching early on. So I would be okay starting Mackenzie Gore once again against the Cincinnati Reds. A few hitter standouts from Wednesday I wanted to mention. Jose Ramirez hit his fourth home run, a grand slam. He's now up to 20 RBI on the season. Just awesome. Kyle Schwarber hit a 468-foot home run at Coors Field. It's his third home run in four games, his fourth home run overall. Slowly coming around is Kyle Schwarber. Freddie Freeman... Just waiting for the Braves series, huh? Went three for four on Wednesday, hit his second home run of the series. Looks like he's coming around. He's fine. I I wish Chris was here so that we can rub Nolan Arenado up in his face because Arenado hit his fifth home run of the season. It was a go-ahead homer in the ninth inning. He's not hitting the ball very far on these home runs, but he's doing what Nolan Arenado does. And so far, uh, he's proven all of us wrong. I mean, none of us were really in on Nolan Arenado. and. It looked really good.
2: He's killing me.
0: <laughs> Chris there in the background. He's, yeah, he, he is. He's killing your Marlins too, unfortunately. Tommy Edmond was back up to the leadoff spot with Dylan Carlson out of the lineup and Edmund went two for four with his first steal of the season. That's exactly what we want to see. Some quick bullpen updates. Uh, Emmanuel Class A got his first save of the season. Corey Knebel picked up his second save. Uh, fastball velocity was down almost two miles per hour. Let's just pay attention to that for Corey Knebel. Jorge Lopez recorded the final five outs in order, including three strikeouts, and he has both of the Orioles' saves this season. Jorge Lopez, 9% rostered. So if you play in the deepest category leagues, he needs to be rostered. He's looked good so far to the bullpen. I think he had maybe one appearance where he didn't look great, uh, but 9% rostered. He's just widely available and saves are hard to come by right now. Anthony Bender gave up that two-run home run to Nolan Arenado. He took the loss. Bender's ERA is 8.31. His swinging strike rate is way down. So, when Dylan Floro is healthy and he returns, maybe this is more of a conversation than we thought coming into the season. Giovanni Gallegos picked up his third save. Aroldis Chapman also picked up his third save. The fastball velocity down once again for Aroldis Chapman, averaging 94 miles per hour. That's massive. That's a massive difference. But the broadcast said Chapman is doing this on purpose in order to command his fastball. So look if the results are there. Can't really complain much about it. Uh, Jake McGee, one day after telling everyone to drop him, he picks up the save for the Giants, his second save of the season. And then the Royals. The Royals. Josh Stalmont was used in the eighth inning of a two-run game uh, to face 9-1-2 and two in the lineup, so the top of the lineup there. And then Scott Barlow pitches in the ninth. He gets his first save of the season. I was watching this game. The Royals broadcast mentioned Mike Matheny will not predetermine which inning to use Stallmont or Scott Barlow. They will decide which part of the lineup is a better matchup for each pitcher. And it just sounds like a full-blown committee. So... If you took our advice and you dropped Barlow for Stallmont, I don't think that's an issue. I I would say probably hold both of them, but they're probably going to split saves right down the middle. That would not surprise me one bit. Uh, To stream or not to stream for Thursday, same names that I mentioned yesterday, Paul Blackburn versus the Orioles, Tyler Wells at the Oakland A's, Zach Davies at the Nationals, Josh Rogers versus the Diamondbacks, Taylor Hearn at the Seattle Mariners, and uh, Paul Blackburn is really the only one That stands out for me. The Orioles are just such a great matchup right now. And Blackburns look pretty good. Velocity up. Changes pitch mix. Uh, So he is the one I would look to stream on Thursday. Uh, I didn't write down Friday. So I'm just going to quickly scroll through some games. Drew Smiley going up against the Pirates. Mm, Maybe. Don't love it. Uh, Let's see if there's anyone else that stands out. Uh, Corey Kluber against the Red Sox. Don't love that one either. Kyle Wright is two rostered now. He's going up against the Marlins. If you have him on your team, obviously you love that start. Uh, Reed Detmers going up against Baltimore. Okay. On Friday, we could do that. Reed Detmers. I can get behind that. Uh, David Peterson at the Diamondbacks. I like the matchup. Don't love the pitcher. I'm probably going to say no there. Uh, Nick Martinez against the Dodgers. No. I want to watch it to see what he does, but I'm not starting him. Brad Keller's look good. He's at the Mariners. Their lineup has been inconsistent thus far. He's okay. Uh, I would go with Detmers first, and then, you know, maybe if you're in a deeper league, Brad Keller is the next one that I would look at. We're going to wrap there for Chris, wherever he is. I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball Today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye bye.
1: Okay, picture this it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.